I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to uh, Ausbids Live from our Barangaroo studios. You have tuned in to the call. Uh, 10 stocks picked by you. I put it to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Uh, what a panel we've got today because we have got a list of stocks tailor-made for these two. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Koshy. Ready for a big show. Uh, yes, king of the charts, Carl Capalinga from Think Markets over in the West. Um, uh, uh, do I call you the line of lithium as well? Are you excited? <laughs> Uh, no, not that excited, oh. unfortunately, because, you know, we'd largely got out of lithium before this yes. nice little push up. So it kind of confuses the matter oh. a little bit. Hey, I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss yes, that. Yes, just hold, hold <laughs> it there. We're about to come to it because uh, I'm confused as well. Um, this half hour, we're going to uh, the first five stocks. We're going to look at Wilson Asset Management, uh, Kingsgate Consolidated, GQG Partners, Judo Capital, and Bendigo Banks, uh, a mixture of uh, financials there, mainly financials, Kingsgate, a resources stock. Um, stock of the day, thought I'd bring up Liontown Resources, turned down a $5.5 billion buyout proposal from the world's biggest uh, lithium producer. Today, City has lifted its price target on the stock with analysts saying the offer needs to be improved to get lined down back to the table. Adding a, uh, adding a counter offer seems likely. Uh, meantime, uh, Conaccord Genuity analysts say uh, the bid seems somewhat opportunistic given the recent equity pullback as lithium pricing has eased. It adds the deal may impact lithium markets. Uh, as consumers think about the loss of independent lithium producers. Um, after a, a, a roaring day yesterday, Liontown up another two and a third percent today. Carl Capalinga, what do you think? Of, and the Liontown resurgence has uh, lifted everyone, Pilbara, <laughs> Alcam, the whole lot. Um, so what do you think? Uh, I'm a little bit annoyed, really, because as you know, we were, we were, <laughs> we were out of lithium uh, pretty much that yes. you know, silver was kind of last. Step. Having, look, having said that, um, Line Town, a bunch of clients did get on because uh, go check the tapes, covered it on 7th of March in my Tuesday sessions. And we said on that day, there's only one lithium stock you could own, and it was Line Town. Yeah. Uh, a few people got on, not saying everybody did. So they've done pretty well. What we're saying now is hold. We're still a hold here. The candles are still fine. There's nothing in there to say that, you know, I mean, if you want to take a little bit of profit off the table, you could uh, to, to, you know, pay back some of your original investment and then see how you go on the rest. But no, I, I still think it's worth a hold based upon what I'm seeing in the charts. I think Albemarle is a, is a logical acquirer of uh, of Kathleen Valley, which is obviously Liontown's made mind. They, they're not in production yet, Liontown. They're probably in production within the next sort of 18 months uh, to two years, depending on how they go with their schedule. Uh, obviously, Albemarle owns half of the Greenbushes mine, which is, you know, 
arguably the world's biggest and richest deposit of lithium. It's just south of Perth here, so they'll be looking to plug Kathleen Valley, which is uh, just north of Kalgoorlie off the top of my head, into the production chain, which ends with uh, processing down in Kwanana. And uh, it's the processing, I think, which is the, the key to the whole picture uh, for Albemarle. It's just about um, feeding that plant now with supply to send to Asia. Uh, lithium prices are coming down, uh, so lithium carbonate in particular particular has collapsed as in it's uh, it's halved in value in a very short space of time last three months uh, lithium hydroxide prices which is more important obviously for Liontown and Albemarle uh, those have come back for about $84 a ton uh, to um, uh, to 60, I'm trying to remember the numbers right. off the top of my head here. Oh. Uh, but uh, they're, they're obviously there's still a premium uh, for lithium hydroxide compared to lithium carbonate because it costs more to process your lithium carbonate into your lithium hydroxide. Um, it's the spodger mean that these guys, the hard rock that these guys are uh, mining. Right. Uh, lo long story short, Albemarle's the most logical acquirer. Is there a more logical acquirer out there? I don't think so. That's the thing. Is there going to be a higher bid? Uh, is there somebody who would pay more than the, the giant, the elephant in, in, in the room, which is Alba? I don't think so. Um, oh. But the market, the market seems to think there's a bit more in it. So we're happy to, to see how we go. So as I said, if you want to take a little bit off the table, pay back some of your investment, don't mind, right. uh, and then hang on to see what you go. Okay. All right, to use Carl's speak, you're in stocks for uh, a good time, not a long good time. time. Uh, the good time ended for uh, uh, for lithium producers. Uh, you say, you know, when they come back, you can easily get back into them. Would you be getting back into lithium? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. Not yet, which I did a big right. lithium sector review in yesterday's session. We couldn't find a single buy. Liontown was still, you know, the okay. only one that we'd happy to, to hold. And not to say that that won't change, you know, you know I'm a technical analyst. So yep. we've, we've had a big, a big low's been put in and an important low, some great candles. There's some demand in the system. But I think a lot of that demand, the risk here is costing a bunch of it's probably short covering. Right. And maybe not necessarily that, that long-term opportunistic buying to try right. and find that low. So we want to see what happens from here. We're going to see how the technicals develop. If you okay. see uh, higher troughs come in, if you see more white candles come in, there's probably more in it than just short covering. If we start to see those nasty black candles develop again, and that is my fear, then these long-term okay. trends have not ended. We're still right. long-term down. So if people didn't take your advice and have ridden their lithium stocks down, and yep. now we've got a rally, just sell into the rally? Uh, possibly, yes. Yeah. So watch out for, for those candles. So I don't need to be around. It's the black candle or the candle with the long upper shadows. That's the yeah. line pointing upwards. If you see those, this is mainly just short covering. It's a flash of the pan. It's very much Liontown centric and it's not going to spread outside of Liontown. And you can start to take advantage for those right. high prices and okay. uh, get some out. Michael, what do you think? Um, yeah, very comprehensive there from Carl. Um, We've been in lithium over the last few years, AKE, PLS are the main sort yep. of two. You're still there? Um, we still have some clients who hold a bit, right? because we do like the long-term story, but it is less compelling in the short term. And we've yep. seen these big volatile cycles with the lithium really over the last five years. So I yep. do think you have to be pretty agile around these positions. Um, when it comes to, to Liontown, it's a very good asset, a clear path to production. They've got some offtake agreements with Ford and Tesla. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it was always sort of touted as potentially one that was a takeover target, just given the transition phase that it's going through at the moment. Uh, the big question is whether the shorters resume their short attack on a lot of these lithium players, because there was a handful yeah. of lithium players yeah, amongst the top agree. 10 most shorted stocks on the ASX. Yeah. 
Um, so this might be a little bit of relief before the shorts start to come back on because right. I don't think the short-term mm -hmm. supply and demand dynamics of the lithium market have really changed that much. No. We've seen prices really collapse as, as Carl touched upon. Um, you've had some of the big companies out of China. So one of the largest, or if not the largest electric um, or, or electric um, battery companies mm. has been discounting battery prices. They've been pushing back on some of the contracts that they have to buy new lithium at even lower prices. So that's negative sentiment that's filtering through the lithium market. The back end of last year, the Chinese government ended the subsidy on electric vehicles. So there's a bit of a negative mindset and negative narrative okay. around lithium at the moment. So we're not going to get too carried away just because a random takeover offer has been lobbed on the whole Okay, space. but that, that random takeover offer has <laughs> lifted line down share, That's right. share price 35%. If, if you're in line town and you're so bearish, yeah. Carl's waiting for black candles to, <laughs> to sneak in. It's like the, um, the financial version of, of an exorcist uh, coming in to, to get out of it. It's, uh, look, it's, why why it, would you take the money at the top of the market? With Liontown specifically, there's always you know the risk of a bigger takeover offer right. down the track, but there's also the risk that they walk away completely and maybe just wait for the market to become right. even more decimated in the lithium space. Um, so I, I'll be doing selling at least half and right. letting half sort of run yep. uh, just to wait and see. So almost get your money back if you like. Well, that's right. I mean, it was yeah. a, a pretty hefty jump, wasn't it? So oh, yeah. you're doing very well in a short Jeez. space of time. You bank that in these uncertain times. Um, yeah, that's uh, really interesting. Thank you both for going through that because I reckon a lot of our viewers will be wondering what to do about this at the moment. So um, that was really comprehensive. Thank you. Um, now, Michael, Tim wants a view on our first stock uh, put in by viewers uh, on Wilson Asset Management. Uh, they're, of course, the, the big funds management group. Um, Jeff Wilson was the founder of it. Um, they manage a whole series of different sorts of funds, don't they? What do you think of WAM? Yeah, so WAM is a listed investment company. Yep. So basically you're investing in a portfolio which is managed by, by WAM. Um, Wham Capital has been going since the, the I think the late 90s. It's had a very good long-term track record, outperforming the market considerably over that time frame. Um, and it's really for a business that only had a few hundred million under management, you know, 20, 30 years ago. They've grown the stable of offerings, and Wham's yep. probably been the flagship fund over that time. In more recent years, they have struggled in terms of performance relative to the market. Um, obviously, being a small mid-cap focus manager, the conditions haven't been ideal. But even going back before that, they've been struggling a little bit. Um, the investors in WAM have always been attracted by the very high dividend yields. I think the, the fully frank dividend yield, dividend yield, looking at historical numbers, is around like 9.5%. Oh, wow. Because they built up such big retained earnings over a two-decade period, they were able to smooth out the dividends. Um, yeah. And people were attracted by that. But what's happened is because the performance in recent years hasn't been as good, the retained earnings have been eroded. Yeah. And it's very likely that the dividends are going to have to be cut. I think it's almost guaranteed. Uh -huh. So the very high dividend yield, fully frank, that people have become used to, are going to be cut for really for the first time in a long time. So that's what people have to really get their head around. They've really absorbed all their retained earnings. Um, the company also trades on a very large premium to tangible assets of about 15%. That's actually come down from around 20%. 
So it's look, they're a very good manager, very good long-term track record, but you're basically paying 15% more than right. these shares are worth on market. No, okay. And I think um, even Jeff Wilson has come out and said that he probably wouldn't invest his own money in something like oh. Wham, given that premium. <laughs> so from and, my standpoint- And, and Jeff would, is the type of person that would say that, and yeah. his marketing people would shriek. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I think, what he said. Don't hold me to it. I'm sure, I'm sure someone will confirm it or not. But basically, basically, um, very good long-term track record, got a huge retail following. That's why it does trade at this premium. Yeah. And the stability mm-hmm. and the constant growth in dividends has really drawn people to this. But those conditions that have supported that premium probably aren't going to be there in the next couple of years. Okay. So for mine, I'm going to go a sell on WAM okay. um, and look for other investments. Yeah, not many fund managers. <laughs> Uh, all fund managers are doing it a bit tough on the market at the moment. That's right, they? particularly in, in that Whoa. part of the market. Look, yeah. they, look they've got um, a WLE, WAM Leaders, which is an ASX sort of top 50, top 100 type right. fund. Um, same sort of structure, listed investment company. Okay. That's done incredibly well um, because obviously that part of the market has helped. Yep. That's outperformed a lot as well. So potentially if you're looking to stay amongst the, the WAM or the Wilson Asset Management stable, that's the WAM one. leaders, but do keep in mind that's got a big bank focus, so you might okay. not. All right. Uh, Carl? Well, I think when you're looking at this sort of investment, it's a listed uh, investment vehicle uh, where you're basically owning a bunch of listed shares, right? You need to look at what's in the portfolio and they're quite upfront with what they're holding uh, down to you know percentages. For example, EVT, which is a, a company Coincidentally, we'll talk about later, they've got 2.7%, Webjet 2.7%, SDA Health, which has uh, recently popped up because of takeover, 2.5%, Prime, Primedicus, one of my favorite companies, 2.2%, uh, and, and the list goes on and on. So understand what you're getting. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a suitable alternative if you like those companies and you couldn't be bothered building that portfolio yourself. You can just do it with one, one uh, brokerage mm-hmm. rate, one purchase, one sale. Um, what I did was, as much as I could see what they're holding, I went through and looked at the charts because ultimately the performance of WAM will depend on the performance of their underlying holdings. And of the 22 names I could find, tickers I could find, uh, look, eight look, I thought looked uh, quite good, four were a hold, eight I think looked terrible, uh, and two I'd be exiting as well. So you know, roughly half the portfolio from a technical perspective looks pretty lousy. Mm. Um, but that's not dissimilar to the market, I guess, Goshi, when you think yep. about it. Yeah, yeah. We're not exactly in a bull market either, no. are we? Uh, but on that basis, then, the, you know, if you can do the analysis yourself, and that's very much my style, I'm saying, well, why would I own this? I can't see any reason for me to own it. But it's not, but, well, is this about what, what um, viewers should do or what I should do? For me, no way. I could never buy this. The chart looks awful as well. Um, I'd rather make up my own portfolio of just the good ones. Right. Uh, so, yep. you know, viewers need to make that call. Okay. All right, Dev wants a view, um, Carl, on Kingsgate Consolidated. Uh, Dev says this company has just received approval to reopen a mine and was wondering what the future holds, operates um, um, in the gold sector. I'd love to hear, I can't wait to hear Michael's comments on this because there was a huge ramp up in the price prior to a big uh, placement. Yeah. Uh, so institutional and also <laughs> wow, look at that. Yeah. So, geez, what? Uh, just pure coincidence. I'm sure, Koshi, that the huge ramp up occurred the day before 
we got this placement. So it hit two bucks. Next day, you got a placement at 150 to raise wow. the money they need. They so desperately need really to get back into full production at Chatchery, which is a mine in Thailand, yep. which has a hugely checkered past. I don't like it when I see that sort of stuff. It really annoys me um, as a shareholder, a potential shareholder, when I see shenanigans. Let's just call them shenanigans because I don't want to get sued. Um, that, that disappoints me. But anyway, it's not dissimilar to the shenanigans that have been going on with the company, more broadly speaking. They've got this mine in, in Thailand, which was shut down by the Thai government in 2016 due to environmental and uh, social, I'm guessing, their concerns. They actually you know, took the Thai government to court, managed to get a resolution in their favour, to be fair. And they're back up and running now. But who's to say that, you know, the next yeah. uh, big, big shock isn't uh, around the corner. Uh, but... Yeah, it's, look, either way, it's, it's, it, they've got the money. They can get to uh, full production, but full production for them is about 100,000 ounces in FY24 and then about 125,000 in the long run. And the long run's not that long. They've got a nine-year mine life. Now, there is mm. some exploration upside. They have come out with some pretty good results, but it's it's still not the order of magnitude of, say, a Newcrest Mining, which produces yep. 2 million ounces Per, per annum and have and has uh, you know average mine life of, of over 20 years right yeah so it, it is a minnow it's on the lower end of the production spectrum which is a positive uh, but I just can't get excited about the opportunity here valuation wise it's not awful but not a screaming buy and the chart after yesterday's or the day before yesterday's debacle um, I'm going to go. There are better opportunities in the gold space. So we like Romelius. I still like Newcrest. I like Northern Star. I like Romelius. And Resolute uh, is actually uh, one that has significantly larger reserves. So the other thing is their, their reserves of 1.3 million ounces is quite small as well. Um, you know, you're looking at probably triple the reserves at Resolute for triple the production for only uh, about an extra 10 or 20% uh, right. in the market cap. So, yeah, I've given you four... Okay stocks which i think are better than this one yeah michael yeah kingsgate had a very interesting um sort of five years really um you've got to always do you like interesting <laughs> probably not i think it's better <laughs> to go with the, the boring the boring more stable and particularly okay. in the gold space um, we tend to prefer those that are based in australia so yeah. incurring their costs in aussie dollars and then selling the gold getting us dollars and they often benefit from the, the fall in the Aussie dollar, if that was to transpire. The gold price has been doing very well um, mm. in light of events over it's the last 3, few weeks. about 3,000 Aussie dollars or something. So it? it's been a very good environment. The gold players themselves, although they've had a decent couple of months, really have had a, a tough sort of 18 months. Um, so look, Kingsgate, it's, there's a look, it's, they've got the asset in Indonesia. There's obviously high sovereign risk associated with that. They have upgraded that resource, which is a positive. Um, they are doing feasibility studies in Chile to try and diversify the reliance of that mine, which, which Carl touches upon has a short mine life. However, we just prefer others in the space. If you want to go down the gold path, Northern Star has been a very good performer for us over a long period of time. Evolution, they have sort of taken on a lot of capex at the moment. So that's one that's sort of cycling through that period, maybe higher risk than it has been in the past. So Northern Star is probably our preferred pick. Okay. On Kingsgate, I'll probably look to sell given the capital raising and the fact that often after a capital raising, it does take a bit of time for 
um, yeah, that demand to come back in. Should be a bit. Is that just a, Michael? Is that just a pure coincidence that it, it, it got <laughs> pumped before the capital raising? What's your opinion? Oh, uh, look, I think of, often with these things, there is a bit more that goes on um, behind the scenes, and they are opportunistic. Obviously, the gold space has had a good few weeks. They would have seen the elevated share price, and ideally for companies, they want to raise money when the share price is high, because that way they're not having to issue as many shares to raise the same amount of money. But you'd be a bit narky, wouldn't it? If you, I, I, if yeah, you bought on market, then... there's nothing worse as an investor when you're buying into a company. It's on. It's got good momentum. The share price is moving in your favour, and then all of a sudden get they get a capital raising at a big, massive discount. Yeah. There's nothing worse right. than that. Okay. All right, uh, I'll take everyone's uh, got the drift there on uh, on Kingsgate. Um, our next talk, Gary wants a view, um, Michael, on uh, GQG Partners, another um, investment management, boutique investment management company. Uh, Gary says, I've held it for a while, but has been down for a long time. Yes, so this is a fairly new listing on the ASX, going back, I think, a couple of years now. Um, it's very difficult to get overly excited about fund managers at the moment, just given the market conditions. Um, obviously, equity markets are a bit uncertain, but looking at um, GQG, they have had very good performance. Their performance was very good. They were very early in sort of moving out of tech and into energy. And as a result, their performance fees and management fees have been very impressive. Um, they also trade on a pretty big discount relative to many of their listed fund management peers on the ASX, which is a bit of a surprise. So potentially, if you are looking for a fund manager, this is the, the best the best value. Um, okay. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, they've got a lot of funds under management. They've been growing their funds under management. I think they almost dwarf um, Magellan Financial these days, mm. believe it or not, in terms of the amount of money that they manage. So it's definitely one to keep an eye on for when the cycle improves, unless you really want it to be contrarian and sort of go counter-cyclical and, and buy this thing when markets are looking tough in the hope that over the next you know, two, three, four, five years, we return to more normalised conditions. But for now, I'm going to give it a, a sell right. um, with a, a view to reviewing this space when market environment improves. Okay. Uh, based in uh, Florida, headquartered in Florida, Carl. Yeah, all the smart people are based in Florida, I think, Koshi, I think that's uh, fairly safe to say. All the, the global global geniuses are based there. Um, now, it's very different to WAM. So where WAM is a, a listed investment company, you're, you can see what they're investing in and, uh, and say, oh, I like the portfolio or not. This has got nothing to do with that. This is basically, they're a fund manager. They earn their money from performance fees and funds under management. So percentage, uh, small percentage of what they're managing. And then if they beat the benchmark, they get paid that way. Okay, so you, yep. it's, you're not investing in the funds that they own themselves. You're investing in them as a, as a business. Uh, and in that regard, they tend to do better in bull markets, obviously, and we're not in a bull market. So Michael's quite correct. Do you take the punt on the basis that, well, maybe this is the bottom of the bear market or we're just about to go into a bull market, a counter-cyclical sort of trade, or you just follow the trend? You know what camp I'm in. I'm going to follow the trend. I think it's cheap. I, I agree with Michael. It's it's probably the most uh, undervalued uh, in the space. So we're talking about uh, perpetual pinnacle. And uh, they have excellent performance. So when the worm does turn I, I, you know, and the chart picks up, then I think you can look at this, but the chart is... Right. pretty horrendous at the moment so it's one I'll, I'll put on my watch list you know I, mm. I, I, I like the business 
I like the valuation. I just need to see that the market is starting to see those things, and and then I could add some risk to yeah. it, but not until and then. I have it, to go sell. Is, until, unfortunately, is your overall market chart saying there's not going to be a turnaround? <laughs> the overall market chart says we are so finely balanced right ah, now, right, Koshi. Okay. I wish I We're wish I knew. It, it is. We are at crossroads. We could right. so easily go either way, and I think that reflects the okay. broader narrative, macro narrative, doesn't it? But technically, wow, it is just resting on a pinhead right now. Okay, all right. Um, next stock, um, Carl Burt wants a view on Judo Capital, the um, uh, the fintech, the bank uh, specialising in the small business market. Yeah, look at an interesting little little company hasn't been around for all, all that long, no. obviously, uh, in terms of me being able to give a, a really comprehensive uh, technical analysis on it. But again, the trend isn't great. You know, of, of the long term trend I have, it's convincingly down. The short term trend is down. You can see it's sort of bumping yeah. along the bottom there. So I'm just just in the interest of, of, of brevity until the chart turns up. I can't be excited about this. If you've got it, I can't see a great deal of reason to own it because remember what I said about Wham. Oh, there were eight or nine companies that I really like the look of. They're the ones I'm focusing on right now, not this one. So okay. if I can't find a reason to hold it, I have to say sell. Yeah, and and Michael, all the banks are under pressure at the moment, aren't they? That's right, and particularly a lot of these smaller sort of peripheral players. It's a very tough environment for them. Although Judo did turn profitable last year, they have been growing their loan book. They've got a fairly diversified um, number of sectors in which they service, so they're not overly reliant on one or or two different sectors. Um, They did have a lot of their loans floating up until recently, so they did benefit a lot from the rising interest rate environment. Margins were pretty good for them. They've now converted a lot of those loans to fixed, Maybe that's a counter-cyclical mm. type thing with the expectations that rates are going to fall. So far, that probably looks to be a decent sort of outcome for them. Um, however, I just wonder about the future um, in terms of deposits and competition for deposits as a source of funding. Um, if Judo misses out in that race or, or at least gets sidelined in that race with the big four banks, it's going to be tough for them to maintain these margins. Um, and also the rate of credit growth, I, I think, in this environment is also going to become a lot more challenging. So I think you want to be in the large cap banks. That's right. if you want to be in the banks at all. Right. Um, Judo, unfortunately, will do it tough, I think. Okay. So sell for you? Sell for me as well. Okay. All right. Slightly bigger bank. Mm-hmm. Um, still regional, though, Michael. Does uh, Tam wants to be on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Does that fit your criteria as a bigger bank? Yeah, look, I suppose it's it bigger than Judo, but yeah. like Judo, it reported unbelievable results um, in the August reporting season. Oh, not August, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. In the February reporting yeah. season, a lot better than expected. And But that's reflecting what's happened last year. It's not really yeah. looking forward as to what's going on as we speak. And I think these share prices in many ways are giving are you a heads up as to exactly how the market is seeing it? And the fact is, with a slowing economy, credit growth is, is struggling to, to grow as much. Um, the reality is as well that a lot of these small banks need to fund themselves through deposits. But deposits is an area of the market which up until this point hasn't really been too competitive, but will become more competitive as banks look for a source of, of, of further funding. Um, Bendigo as well, has a lot of 
you know, IT and, and things like that that they've got to upgrade and that's a big expenditure to them. They do plan to keep their CapEx costs flat, but I just don't see how that is going to play out. Um, Bendigo's always had a big presence in the, in the, in like the old-fashioned bank tellers um, yep. and bank branches. However, these days it's becoming less and less important for, for the customer um, and it's becoming a, a less... A valuable way for Bendigo to raise deposits by that old-fashioned servicing the customer at the bank branch is probably becoming less important. That was always one of the advantages that they had. Yep. Yeah. So from my standpoint, I'm negative across the board when it comes to banks, um, especially these regional, regional. and smaller okay. players. So I'm going to go sell on Bendigo as well. Okay. Uh, Carl, what do you think of uh, Bendigo? Of course, after the inflation figure came out at 6.8% and the Bureau of Stats in their commentary threw in uh, the D word, disinflationary pressures, <laughs> parts of it, and the, that seemed to, <laughs> seemed to shock everyone. Uh, 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 could interest yeah. rates sort of be on the way down and impact these banks as well? Well, that's what the market's expecting. The market's yeah. uh, factoring in that interest rates have peaked and mm. uh, really towards the back half of the year, we're going to get somewhere between 25 and 50 basis points worth of cuts. Yeah. And if the big thesis for owning banks over the last 18 months was this this uh, possibility that rates were going to rise and they'll be able to work the spread. So they get, yeah. uh, obviously they, they jack up the rates that we pay them faster than they put up reluctantly the rates that they pay us. And yeah, I mean, look, you know, pat on the back for Michael and myself, because we've been very consistent on this show over the last six months, I'd say, on banks and, and consistently calling them a sell. I think they're less overvalued than they were, but I still think they're overvalued. I think Bendigo's the least overvalued of the bunch, oh, funnily enough, because it has the it has the best growth outlook. Uh, so compound annual growth rate, this is broker consensus numbers out to FY26, next three years of 4%. And that's the best of all the banks, uh, where, say, NAB has a mind, so NAB's earning are expected to contract mm. over the next three years. Think about that. The reason why we own shares, Koshi, is, look, some people say they own shares for yields. I, I don't believe in that. I think you own shares for capital growth. If, you want yeah. to, if, you, if you're only owning shares for yields, go buy a bond, right, mm. and get your 3%. But the reason why I own shares is because I might get a capital gain, not of 3%, but of 300%, mm. or of Liontown, 50% the day. That's why I own shares. And the only way you can get those sorts of capital gains is if you have the earnings growth to justify it. Markets pay for growth. And none of them have a great growth profile. But as right. I said, Bender goes the least. So look, I'm trying to answer the question for the viewer. Um, it's the least overvalued. It has one of the better yields in the sector and a lower PE than most of them. So on that basis, you could hold it. It's not my style. I'm still I'm still a sell on all of the banks at the moment. I still think okay. there's another 10% to go here. Wow. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Stock of the day, Lion Town. Uh, a hold from Carl. Take some profits um, if you want at these higher levels. Uh, Michael is certainly taking those profits, uh, selling half and let the other half run. Uh, wham, a no from Carlos Sell from Michael. Uh, Kingsgate, uh, none of them, neither of them want to go near it. Remelius, um, Resolute, Northern Star are some of the alternatives to look at from, uh, from Carl and Michael. Uh, GQG, um, a sell from both, but one of the most interesting of 
the fund managers and looks the best value at the moment. But when a market turn around, it turns around uh, and banks, neither of them like at the moment and haven't liked them for a long time and have been proved correct, sell on Judo, sell on Bendigo. Uh, here on the call, we're tracking our own high conviction uh, fantasy fund as picked by our investment committee. Uh, the March committee meeting is on the platform and at that meeting, they uh, got out of Seven Group and Janison Education, <coughs> trimmed mineral resources, and uh, added MA Financial and Austal to the performance uh, to the portfolio. And since the first of March, the uh, last year, the fund is up seven percent. And next meeting, the April meeting coming up very shortly, will be on the platform next week. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, really interesting bunch of stocks you want us to look at. Centre Group, Whitehaven Coal, like lithium. Is coal coming back? What's the chart say? We'll cover that. Uh, Infomedia, Jupiter Mines and Event Hospitality. Uh, Michael Robert wants to be on Centre Group, which is basically all the Westfield shopping centres in Australia, is it? That's it. Um, so Centre Group. They have all the, the prime locations, if you mm. like, with often very good access with parking. And so they are increasingly be trying to become more of an entertainment type hub um, as over time, the, the main draw cards for, for customers changes. Um, pleasingly for, for Centre Group, they have recovered to pre-COVID levels in, in terms of sort of their, their earnings numbers, as well as I think a lot of their foot traffic in, in most of their centres. Um, but the question is, is this the best environment for, for property? Probably not. Um, they, have all, they have renegotiated, I think, over 3,000 leases um, last wow. year. But the question is, on what terms? What were the incentives involved in all of that? So they have shorn up their, their lease book. Occupancy levels are up, which is great. They do have a little bit of debt on their balance sheet. They also have a, a big hybrid. I think about $4 billion worth of hybrids that are outstanding due for a call in 2026. So that is something to keep an eye on the interest rate environment and it will certainly affect something like Centre Group. Um, but so I'm gonna go a, I'm just gonna go a sell on Centre Group. It's not the exciting business that we typically yep. look into. Um, it's gonna steadily sort of tick along and grow over time, you would think, along with sort of population growth potentially. Yep. Um, there was a lot of concerns a few years back about people sort of shifting their focus away from shopping centres and finding interest elsewhere, but they've done a good job in bringing people back, as I said, with more entertainment type venues, more restaurants, rather than just yep. sort of fashion retailer after fashion retailer. Um, but I just worry still a little bit about the consumer. Eventually, right. will retail sales fall away? Will the consumer be in a stronger position this time in six months as they are now? So I'm gonna go a sell. Okay. Um, and and Carl, so that five-year chart shows exactly why it's not very exciting. The, it sort of seems to trade in a very very narrow yeah. band, doesn't it? And that band now is much lower than it was pre-COVID. 
yeah, you're right. I actually just zoomed out, as you were saying, and yeah, it does nothing. And then yeah. there's a pandemic, and then it recovered, obviously, and hasn't, hasn't done a whole much. lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm ditto, ditto with Michael. He's he's just gone through my entire tre- checklist of notes that I've written up for this one. So, yeah, back to pre-COVID levels, very impressive, and and that's great news. That's great news for all of the businesses and all the people that are employed in all of those businesses. Um, so that's good news. But debt is the big issue for me. Um, if you look at their debt expense, it's almost as much as their entire property expense. So, you know, running their business. And that is a concern. However, rates are coming down. So maybe that's not a headwind anymore. Maybe that's a tailwind. And But the headwind is uh, consumer spending. Um, but, you know, it, it, it'll take a while for consumer spending to knock onto these guys because it takes a while for businesses to go under and not, not yeah. be able to continue to lease. So basically, we've, all, we've both just come up with this idea that there's not a lot of excitement there. The valuation shows it's actually fairly valued. I've got it as a quote, unquote, 2% overvalued with a 6% dividend yield, which isn't bad. Um, so maybe you can hold it, but geez, if it's that unexciting, uh, why would you hold it? So I'm going to go with Michael on the sell. Yep. Okay. And I suppose, you know, the old economics 101, it's <laughs> um, it's the um, comparing it with opportunities elsewhere. It's the opportunity, opportunity cost, cost of, of opportunity doing, cost. getting something yep. better elsewhere. Yeah, All right. That's viewers. Yeah, it's so important for viewers to understand that while you're holding this, even if it's for a few percent yield, there are, there's other good stuff out there that you could you could be yeah. on. So opportunity cost is the most important driver of all economic decisions. And that's and that's, that's what this show is all about. Just getting the best deal for you. Um, now, Art wants a view on Whitehaven Coal, uh, oh, energy wow. stocks, coal miners, Carl had a bit of a rally over the last couple of weeks and sort of everyone's blood pressure raised again, the excitement test out. Do we get back into coal? Is the, uh, are the good times about to return? No, probably not. <laughs> After probably that build-up, you give me a no. Uh, look, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm excited for another potential run in coal because the last one was amazing and yeah. uh, we, our clients did so well out of it. But as mm. you know, it's, I mean, I was on a few months ago, we said, look, yeah. we, we're getting out of it a bit like lithium. It, it, it Actually, these charts led the lithium charts. Mm. Uh, this story went cold, no pun intended, before the lithium story went cold. So again, we, we just we just, we just just get out one third, one third, one third, and then there's nothing, and then we're just ambivalent now. And that's where we are with, with, with coal. Um, but to speak to some of the sort of valuation um, themes here, I think it's really cheap. Um, now, mm. you, I know it's very popular on the call, and I know you've had other experts say you're probably going to get uh, its entire market cap paid out over the next couple of years. And that's because it's trading, uh, the reason why uh, panelists would say that is because it's trading on a P of two, right? Yeah. So two times it's earning. So that's your payback period is two years. The only risk is what happens to coal prices. Um, I'm not sure, I sent through a coal price chart. I'm not sure if it, if it got in, but uh, we, we've come down from you know four five hundred dollars a ton down to two hundred dollars a ton. The long long term average is about a hundred dollars a ton. Ah. So coal prices potentially, if they get back down to their long long term average, could literally halve from here. And that's where the risk. So do you, do you take the risk? You're going to have this great payback, and it is ridiculously cheap, balanced against the fact that their earnings are going to contract about 
halve. They're going to halve. Over the next right. three years, their earnings will halve because they're not getting what they were getting a couple of years ago for coal compared yeah. to what they're now. They could be lower. So I, I don't know. I'm a bit, a bit ho-hum. I think if, if, uh, to, to speak to the people who are watching now who have it, I'm not sure if there's enough in that uh, valuation thesis for me to own it. Okay, right. so therefore I have to call it a sell. If you don't have it, that's the camp that um, typically think markets clients are in, we'd love to see another run. We'd love to see all the brokers have pared back their price targets now, Koshi. They've all come from much, much higher down to 200. And then you go back, uh, uh, that's for sort of FY23, FY24, it's sort of high 100s, and then it goes to 150, and it goes to 100 yeah. in the long run, right? Now, if we get another shock to the system, because all of those expectations have been pared back, you will get a price move to the upside because I have to ratchet them up again. Right. But until then, the trends are down. Why would you be in it? I have yep. to go sell. Michael? Yeah, Cole, that was probably the fad of, of 2022. Yeah. Everyone sort of jumps onto these long-term narratives um, that you know it's impossible to get a new coal mine. It's a broken market. It's a broken market. There's yeah. going to be no supply coming on, but demand's going to remain in the system. And and that's true to an extent. That is potentially what's going to happen over a 10-year period where there'll just be no supply. But it look, there are short-term cycles and long-term cycles. And the short-term cycles last in the last six months have really worked against coal. Um, it was a warmer than expected winter um, in the end in Europe and the US. China also reopened. They're, all, they're the biggest consumer of coal, but they're also the biggest producer. Yep. And their production numbers were up. You had the, the politicians, if you can call them that in China, uh, imploring the coal miners to really ramp up supply um, in China. And that's basically come into the market and caused prices to come under immense pressure. And from what was a, probably a little bit of hype in the share prices, that's now been unwound as well. So. Look, don't get me wrong, at some point there'll be an opportunity to probably jump into this just like there will be with the lithium players. But with these commodity companies, you have to understand they're not year after year compounders mm. where earnings just grind mm. higher year after year. Yeah. They're very, very cyclical names. And as you see with lithium, lithium, as you've seen with iron ore in the past and coal, they can have these wild cycles that can turn pretty quickly. And a lot of the good gains in the share prices can unwind very quickly. So you have to be pretty malleable and nimble when it comes to investing in commodities. Um, from now, I'm just going to go with the trend. And the trend in the underlying coal price is, is poor. And the, and the share price of Whitehaven's poor. So I think you just want to sit on the sidelines and, and sell. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, next stock um, is Infomedia. Trish wants a view on that, Michael. Uh, Basically, it's it's a tech business, but it's a platform for um, car dealers, isn't it, to buy spare parts? And yeah. used to buy, was it the old Red Book they used to call it uh, when it was in the print days? I'm really showing my age yeah. now, which they they then took <laughs> online and um, uh, in 180 countries, sort of Middle East, Europe. Um, it's a really niche market, but they seem to have done it well. Yeah, it's been around for a long, a long time. time. I remember even the early stages of my career looking into this. It had a really good balance sheet, sort of yeah. year after year compound growth numbers in sort of revenue, earnings, margins, etc. It's done a little bit tougher in recent times. The margins had been coming under pressure, um, although it does appear that the company is now starting to experience positive jaws. So the annual recurring revenue numbers are increasing, um, but their recurring costs are falling. So that's a broad positive, I suppose, in that sense. They had a very good update in the recent Feb reporting season, and you can probably see that the pickup in the share price. Yep. 
um, where they exceeded expectations with revenue and, and EBITDA. So look, it's not a business I'm too familiar with. It does have a decent enough balance sheet. It has had a tough couple of years, but management are talking up the future. Um, and what the company demonstrated in the Fed reporting season is that potentially some of that margin erosion that has been playing out in recent times is starting to reverse. It's probably too early days from mine. I'll probably want to see another strong report um, before you can be confident that that story is well and truly playing out. So for now, I'm just going to go a hold. Okay. But I don't know enough about the business to have much conviction. Sure. Carl? I was hoping I was hoping Michael was going to go for a buy. I'm a buy on this one. Mm. Um, you know, I think it is it is a, a very uh, solid business. It's uh, almost uh, like a like a utility. I mean, it's just in it's ubiquitous within mm. the industry. So mm. uh, basically, uh, your spare parts catalogs. It's 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 almost so boring uh, that it's good yep. in that regard. Uh, and, and you know we we're all, we're all still driving cars. They might go from um, you know something that that burns fossil fuels to something that you ch- you plug in and charge. But you still need spare parts, right? So I I, I think there's a really solid underlying um, defensive business here as well. But you've got a defensive business that is growing. And if we look at um, I said that the bank's roughly flat earnings potentially some of them contracting earnings over the next three years, this has a compound annual growth rate of closer to 30% over the next three years. Now, you're not going to get a bargain in the market. There's never a bargain because you're paying a high PE. So this year's PE is 35. But because of the growth in the business, that that comes down and it comes down and it comes down, okay? Um, I think the valuation looks very good. I've got a fair value target of just over $2, which, you know, current price closer to 150. So I think there's plenty in it there. Um, I've actually used a higher, a moderate risk level just to give myself a little bit of um, uh, margin of comfort on that valuation. The chart, I think, matches up with the opportunity. Um, it's certainly turned the corner. It's not a bottom left, top right, uh, you know, just this wonderful stairway to heaven uptrend, but I, I can see how the long-term trend is changing. I can see some amazing price action, that huge jump we saw after the last results. Normally, uh, you know, we talked about Economics 101. Now, Economics 101 suggests if the price of an asset um, increases, then the supply of that asset should increase. This is the opposite. The price of the asset has increased and the supply has decreased. In fact, demand is increasing, if anything, because the stock market doesn't work based upon that economic tenet. Just because the price of something goes up doesn't mean it's expensive. The price has gone up to reflect the change in the underlying sentiment. There is a significant amount of demand in the system and supply is limited. Uh, So I I like the chart, I like the valuation, I like the business, I'm a buy on this. Are we still doing the um, the super buys there, Koshi, to send it to the committee? Oh, yes, you want to do a super buy on this one? I'm going going super buy. Super buy, okay, all right. (laughs) I need the the sirens and the red Uh, Yeah, I'll put that to the investment committee, uh, which meets in the next day or so. So, yep. All right. Um, Paul wants to know, would you put a super buy on Jupiter Mines, Carl? Uh, Iron ore and manganese explorer has projects in Western Australia and South Africa. Absolutely not. No, this one is not going super buy. (laughs) 
but it's look, it's not terrible. And this this is it's so it's such an interesting company. So they own a massive manganese mine in South Africa, and South Africa has the largest manganese deposits in the world. They've got about three quarters of the world deposits. And we talked about Kingsgate life of mine nine years, uh, average life of mine Newcrest is over twenty years. I've never seen in my entire career of analysing mining companies and. Koshi, uh, you know, born and bred in, in WA, I've yeah. analysed my share of mining companies, as you can imagine, over a career that spans nearly 30 years. 126, I think it was 126 years is wow. the life of mine. Wow. <laughs> I cannot believe it. This, this mine will be operating long after you and I are <laughs> long gone. Uh, and it speaks, I guess, to the stability of, of, of this asset. And then you have to draw back to, okay, they've got a bunch of manganese and they're actually really good at getting out of the ground. So we, the other key theme for miners is costs have been rising. Last 18 months, half over half over half, significant increases in costs because of um, the impacts of the pandemic. Their costs have been coming down. So I think we've got a really well-run operation here. But then we the, the only stumbling point is the manganese price. And if you zoom out onto the Jupiter Mines chart, it is the manganese chart. So you don't need to find the manganese chart, just look at the Jupiter Mines chart. And it right. makes sense. It is basically an option on that. So until the manganese price picks up, until the price of um, Jupiter Mines picks up, uh, I'm not a buy on this one. Um, if you own it and you believe that manganese is the next lithium, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, but if that's what you believe, I think you can hold it. Um, and I will be uh, I'll be happy to slap a super buy on it when the chart turns up and okay. it's going, but not until then. Michael? Yeah, manganese is basically an input used in the production of steel. So along mm. with iron ore, I think it helps harden the steel. So it's got obviously different demand drivers there. And, and the world is a little bit concerned at the moment with a lot of residential construction, um, obviously China being an issue there. As Carl touches upon, South, um, South Africa has about 75% of the global known reserves of manganese. And at the moment, their production I think it's only running at about 36% given some of the chaos that's unfolding in that country. So you would think that would be supportive of Jupiter Mines, but it really hasn't turned out to have too much of an impact. Um, the management of Jupiter Mines do expect that the demand for manganese will outstrip supply by about 10 million tonnes right. a year, um, going to out, I think, 10 years or so, or, or no, sorry, going out 25 years. So. Look, they, like all these commodities, there seems to be a pretty good long-term narrative behind it. But, you know, you, you can run out of money in the next 30 years. You can, a lot can happen in that time. Yeah. So if you're going to wait that long for the story to play out, often there's better shorter-term yeah. opportunities that are, that are happening in the here and now. So okay. I'm happy to go a sell on this. Okay. All right. And our final stock, Dave, wants a view on Event Hospitality, the owner of Event Cinemas, a whole bunch of pubs, I think, uh, QT and Ridges. Um, also, they own the Threadbow Ski Resort Village as well. Uh, Michael, what do you think of Event? Yeah, interesting business. It's sort of, you, when you actually get into the nitty gritty of the company, it's, there's a, quite a, a bit going on um, in terms of the diversification of the business. It's by no means just a cinema's business. People no. are obviously familiar with the brand name Event. Uh, and just you know, automatically assume that it's going to the movies. But there's so much more. As you mentioned, there's bars, restaurants, pubs. Um, they also have a big stake in Ridges Hotels and, and QT Hotels. In fact, I think they might own them outright. Yep. They've got a, a series of enormous developments going on, property developments, George Street Cinemas, 
many people will be f- uh, familiar with the old massive cinema complex on George yep. Street. They've got approval to build a, a huge site there. They also mm. you know, have the Sydney Theatre. And there's a few other things that they own as well. So it's pretty much, I think, more of a, a property play these days. Threadbow, as you touch upon as well, where they're doing a series of improvements and upgrades and snow machines, new lifts. Yep. Um, so I think that's probably the best way to look at it. And at the moment, when you're looking at property plays, um, re- whether it's REITs or companies like Goodman Group, um, it's a pretty tough environment and that's probably being reflected with events at the moment. So probably falls into the category of a quite a well-run business that stood the test of time. However, it's not that exciting and the growth profile is not that attractive, okay. particularly in light of a higher interest rate environment and a weaker and softer property market. Yep. So. I'm going to go sell, but you could hold it for, and just be pretty comfortable holding right. it. But I just think, again, on that opportunity cost basis, there are better alternatives mm. elsewhere. Carl, what do you think of a bank? Got to echo Michael's comments again. I think very uh, finely balanced. We talked about how S Intergroup was very finely balanced. We said how the chart's going sideways. You can almost copy and paste the argument over to here because let's face it, not dissimilar businesses in terms of well, where is is an event cinema? Well, it's probably inside a Westfield. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a um, yeah, so yeah, I've got just finely balanced. Um, there are some structural challenges to cinemas, but then we just saw Apple make a huge investment as well in its uh, own uh, cinematic uh, aspirations. Yeah, and, so, and interestingly, I think Amazon uh, made a bid for America's biggest cinema chain overnight. I think that, well, I don't know if that's just a rumor. I don't know if that's just a rumor. Might just be a rumor. I think that's why uh, it showed up. There's a rumor they're going. Ah, uh, right. It's, a, it's official yet, but right. I've definitely heard that as well. So, you know, hotels, you know, it, going pretty well. I think yeah. you know, post pandemic. Look again. I'm going to echo Michael. I think you can hold it. I would say though, if it closes, I'll give you a number here because yeah. the chart's not that crash hot. So I'm going to go a hold on the basis. Of- oh, no. Eleven fifty eight. Close, close, close beneath eleven fifty eight. Close eleven fifty eight. Okay. I'll I, thought, out. I thought you'd frozen on the number there. You were leaving Just us hanging. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not going to leave you hanging any further. Carl Kapalinga from no. Think Markets. Great to see you, mate. Always love having you on the call. Appreciate your time. Always love being on. Uh, Thanks, likewise, Bruce. Michael Wayne from Medallion. Good to see you. How's the new fund going? We're one month in. We've been fortunate. We're in a, a fair bit of cash at the moment, so right. we're a good start. Okay. <laughs> if you're interested. Get onto the Medallion website. Uh, let's uh, recap the final five stocks. Uh, Centre Group, a sell from both. Whitehaven, a sell from both. Carl and Michael. Uh, Info Media, a super buy from Carl. Um, and a, a pretty lackluster hold from Michael by comparison. <laughs> uh, Jupiter Mines, a uh, sell from Michael. Uh, Carl wouldn't be. It, if you if you believe the manganese price is going to shoot the lights out, you, you can hold. Uh, and Event Cinema, a hold from both. Carl's got $11.58. Uh, if it gets to that level, you can buy it. Uh, that's it for us for the call for today. Don't forget, if you've got any stocks in your portfolio or stocks you're interested in, maybe what analysed by our expert panel, put them in an email to me, thecall at osbiz.com.au, and I will 
put it up uh, or tweet us using the at AusBizTV handle. Look, it is CPI day here on AusBiz. A lot of analysis coming through. As I said earlier, CPI for February came in lower than expected, 6.8%. And in the commentary from the Bureau of Stats saying there were signs of sort of of deflation, uh, deflationary impacts or disinflation uh, in some of the sectors, which uh, has the markets talking. You'll get full analysis throughout the rest of the day here on Ausbiz and of course all the breaking business news as well. You don't want to miss a thing. Back with the pulse after this.